What's up? I know I'm crazy, audience. This is another episode of I Know I'm Crazy with Naja. It's Podcast Tuesday, and today we are talking about peaceful co-parenting, something we don't really talk a lot about here. So I got my boy, Kevin Meeks, or Kev Meeks, as I call him. You know, it's country. We don't say the V in Kevin. We'd be like, Kevin, Kevin. Do they do you like that, Kevin? They do. They do. (laughs) So have you ever wondered what if you had a drama-free co-parenting lifestyle? Well, Kevin Meeks is the co-parenting coach, and he helps co-parents find more effective ways to communicate with their co-parenting partner right after this dance break y'all kevin is going to come and tell us about all these calls and these parentings and this communication that we know nothing about here so you all hold on let me pay some bills real quick and we'll be right back hey 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 how you doing how I'm, are I'm- you I'm doing amazing. Like I, I really appreciate this, uh, this podcast. I'm doing good. How are you? Man, I'm so good today. If 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 it was any better, I would think it was a setup. I, I literally would. <laughs> I got that. Um, I got this saying from a friend of mine here in Harlem named Dart. Dart always says that, and I thought it was so cool. So, Kevin, um, peaceful co-parenting. Now, we've had your lovely wife on the podcast. As a matter of fact, she's been on both my podcasts and she's explained her situation. Um, but when I think of peaceful co-parenting, it's I'll say this and I know I sound like a skeptic. It almost feels like a farce. It feels like it's something yeah. that's so attainable, for, so unattainable for a lot of us. And when I hear someone talking about it, it seems so far-fetched. Yeah. So I want you, when you're speaking to us today, because the people that are here, these are people that probably have no clue how to get from supreme conflict to just being able to have a respect-based relationship. So I kind of want to start talking to them. Like, is this really real? And then I also want to hear a little bit about your situation, but how do you make it real? I mean, how you make it real is... You know, uh, you know, I'm in counseling. Right. And most of the time it's about self. You know, my wife and I, we always say, like, in co-parenting, it's usually one party that didn't want to break up or, or cannot accept the new family dynamic that you guys have. And really peaceful co-parenting is setting up some type of boundary. Like, like, like I've, I've been co-parenting my entire life since I was like 13. Since 13. You, wait, Kevin, you've been co-parenting. Yes. So that means in order to co-parent, you have to be a parent. Yes. You became a parent at 13 years old. 13 years old. Look, I was a latch, look, I was a latchkey kid. And if one, what's the saying when um when when the when the cat is away, the, the mouse will, the mouse will play. play? Yes, I was a latchkey kid coming home and I yeah, I, I happened to have a young lady, a young girl at the time come to the house. Mama was at work, working two jobs. Boom. Yeah, I go. Luck of the draw. What's what's crazy is it was my first time. Yeah. I so was my you, first time. Literally first time. And yes. boom. so you went from being a latchkey kid to a latchkey daddy. <laughs> yes. Yes. What does a 13 year old boy know about fatherhood? Nothing. Parenthood. What is it? Was the young lady? Was is it safe to assume she was kind of close in age? To we you? we we are actually a one week apart. And what's crazy is I I didn't it, it doesn't didn't resonate to me even when he was born. My son was born that I was a father. I came home, and if anybody knows this show, uh, it was cartoon. I came home and did the same thing. I came home, ate my Fruit Loops, and was watching the Thundercats. I get a call on the phone. The house phone. We had they had house phones then, and they said your son your son is born. I just hung up the phone like, no, okay. It 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 didn't it it wasn't real enough for me until I seen him. You talking about nine months of just I I just being a kid. You and this this young lady, you were neighbors, so that means. It was essentially all the parenting duties were going to fall on you guys is the people that were raising you. So Absolutely. your family, were you able to see her during the pregnancy? Um, like, so back. So I'm 37, right? I'm an 80s baby, 85. Yeah. So 
Shout and out that to Amy t- Davies out there. Yeah. So so in 1999, it wasn't as uh, prevalent to have like kids at that time at a young age. Yeah. It probably was in some other parts of the world, but in my world, it Not wasn't. Where I'm from either. Right. 13 Man, years old. Have, Memphis, right. Tennessee, you get the beat down. I couldn't imagine. I'm, I'm trying to tell you, like, I'm, I think this was maybe before Brenda had a baby. No, after Brenda. So, anyway. So, didn't even, Brenda didn't even have her baby. Yet. Kevin had it. <laughs> Kevin. Yes. So, we was like, we was like unicorns. Like, Oh, I can't believe it. So during school, during um, grammar school and my fresh freshman year of high school, it was just really unnormal. And we was kind of isolated like yeah. figures. You know what I mean? So we like, didn't... Hey, that's Kevin. That's a dude that got a four year old. Yes. yes. That's yeah. So you became yes. that guy. What yeah. did it make you like a social pariah amongst the people? Like did the parents not want their daughters to date you because they're like, oh, he has a baby. No, it kind of made me, and I was just talking to my wife about it. Um, it was one of the worst times of my life. And I, I know when my son hears stuff like that, he don't like it. But it was one of the worst times of my life become you because you become like a stage play or stage like 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 it's 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 a word for it where you become like the, the figure example. to the example, like you become that because everybody's, you know. You become like, okay, that's the guy, that's the boy who got the key. You, don't you got to bo- do what he did. Right. You become that opposite. People are using you and your experience exactly. to kind of teach their kids what not to do. So I had two dynamics in that time, right? You had the parents that was like, stay away from him because I don't mm-hmm. want that to rub off on you. And then you had the other kids that was like, oh, I'm curious on how, like, how was that for you, that experience? In the negative sense, you know, like, so, you know, you got girls that's like, oh, I was thinking about having that encounter. You did. So I want to see. And then you got the other ones was like, you got cooties. My parents say stay away from you. (laughs) And that was the worst part. Like that overshadowed the you know, all of the likeness and the, oh, Kevin, hey, hey. But you were still very much a baby yourself. Baby, like, baby. What do you, what, wet behind the ears, as we say in the country. So then fatherhood, co-parenting started for you legitimately at 13. It's just so hard yes. for me to fathom. What is a 13-year-old co-parent look like? Or what does that situation look like? Because you got mama, daddy, grandma telling you what to do, buying diapers. You ain't got no job. You don't have money. Mm-hmm. But then you still have to deal with emotions it was your first time um you, you lost your virginity first yep. time having sex with this person and so i'm assuming you guys were not in a relationship so y'all were just two little kids that bumped uglies and had to figure it out yeah it was i mean we was in a relationship before then but once the pregnancy came along i think that in an adolescent mind you like if i stay away it'll go away but yes. it didn't go away nine months not. later that, right so uh, so it was that and i don't think we had like a connection in that moment in that like it was just we experienced something that maybe nobody or nobody in the neighborhood was doing and we just it just kept going from there but yeah um yeah. as a as a i can tell you at what happened in that moment where i mean in that time yes you're parenting with the mother but also with the grandparents too absolutely so so i did get a job you know cutting grass and then i started working in the nursing home at like 15 down the street so i was walking diapers and formula and stuff down to us so i i i didn't know how to be a father but i knew i had to do something and mm-hmm. it's still in the eyes of you know the opposite parent in the family it still wasn't enough and still wasn't right i actually and not to keep going, but I actually my son got into some uh, some trouble and I was in the presence of the grandmother. And out of all of the stuff that had happened, I looked her in her face and I said, I appreciate you because mm. it's no way my son would have been able to get to this point in his life without you. I'm never going to say I'm the sole parental guidance of him. Right. He's alive mm. and living a well because you. And that's the part of co-parenting sometimes and that dynamic that we get messed up because when you have other parents or you have other people in the in the system of the child, you count it as if it's just you. So, oh, I got so much, Nigel. I want to hear it at, all. At, Keep talking. I'm not interrupting. Keep talking. I so, so in so in co-parenting with a baby mom or baby father, and I just got to speak for my dynamic as a baby father or child's father. The mother sometimes 
harp so hard on the dad. And in my situation, we were both 13. You didn't have anything else. Did, you didn't have anything different than I did besides someone else help cultivate our child together. Mm-hmm. So when, when it comes to like child support, right. And I know I, I lived this life where co-parenting, you, uh, uh, um, my mom didn't get child support. I know it's needed, but at the same time, if you put your efforts just as much as mine's, the child will have a lot more. Sometimes, Absolutely. sometimes, uh, child support becomes a one way and transactional. And that, that's how I was kind of feeling as a, as a, young father coming up like i'm just a transaction if i'm gonna play play devil's advocate here i'm assuming that you guys didn't do like a 50 50 setup no 50 50 split so that meant that 90 percent of this parent that other the mother's household's time went to rearing and 20 percent or 30 percent of your 15 year old income went back into that household. So it's like you get to own more of your time and you get to spend uh, less money, but she gets way less time. Mm -hmm. And I guess looking at it, if we're going to break it down like that, if it's not 50 50, it seems fair. It's like, hey, I'm the one that's spending all my time on this kid. Now, whether Kevin was here or not, then that person still would have to spend that. I do see what you mean by saying, listen, if I'm giving you $500 a month and you're putting your 500 a month, our kid would have a thousand dollars. Yeah. But then it comes to that, that in, inequity when it comes to spending time, because you have the time to go out and make more money because you're parenting less. Does that? Right. No, I mean, it I makes absolute sense. Yeah, absolutely. I could see why one of the parents would feel that there's like, listen, there's an inequity. So you do need to do more because you're doing less on this end. I mean, that's kind of how we do it in our setup. You know, one parent does um, the physical, the majority of the physical parenting. So the other one is like, you got to pay up. Yeah. I got, you got to pay up. Well, so then you were co-parenting with her parents, with her. Was it a thing where you saw that you guys, both of y'all, your parents were kind of, they didn't really, I mean, they did not go trust a 13 year old to raise kids. So they're kind of telling you what to do. Did they become the surrogate parents? It's like, and especially with you and your situation, how was it with you and your family? So on my side, um, like I, I, I was still having a, a single parent. So I don't think she was, she wasn't, my mother wasn't as immersed because we was getting so much of the Heisman when it comes to, to co-parenting with, my child's uh, well, okay. other family. So her we was family getting... wasn't really trying to send the baby over there. They were like, "Listen, this is our baby. Yeah, you come sometimes, but we don't need you." So much so that I didn't have the opportunity of like naming or having a legacy name on the end that they oh. took full control, but made sure that I was financially apart. And I, that's the damaging part when you omit certain responsibilities or you omit certain privileges. But you're going to pay, though. But but exactly. You exactly. Listen, you're not going to name this child. He's not going to carry your last name. We're not even really going to let you see him, but you're going to pay. So you a 15 year old can be put on child support. A 13 year old. I didn't uh, know that. Or does it? Who well, pays? no, no, no. At that time. No, I wasn't on child support at 15. That was just by choice. But at 17 and a half, I was in actually in a courtroom. I was in a courtroom. And yeah. And so at your that point, son was about four and a half years old at that point. Exactly. And at that point, this is what's crazy, man. At that point, when the judge said I had to be on child support, it was date to file. And if anybody had been in the courtroom or in the court proceedings, date to file is from whenever the child support was filed. They go all the way back from that. So if if it don't if it take a year or two years or three years to get you in court or get the case pulled up, you owe from the, all of those years, date to file or to from birth. So, so I had to con- my so- my I had to contest from birth because I knew I was been here I've been here and I and I protest inside of the courtroom like there's no way, Yana, that I have not been present this entire four years, four and a half years. You were a boy and you were like, listen, I've got a job at a nursing home. I didn't mm-hmm. have any income. What mm-hmm. do they expect a person that's still in high school to pay? What What do you have to pay? They don't they don't show any leniency based off my age or they it's about documentation. Oh. It's about it's about paperwork because it's about the best interest of the child. They don't care much about your situation. They'll set a temporary order at the time. A temporary order was like twenty five dollars mm-hmm. at the time. Um, 
at that age because I didn't have like a That's job that that have, like, have like a job. So they yeah. set a temporary order. But as soon as I can produce a check stub, now they're going off documentation. It's not about you okay. or your situation. That's why I tell guys all the time, my men, all of those receipts and all of those Toys R Us, if it's still around, and all of the Walmart visits, hey man, you might well just stuff that and burn it because we like the judge told guys in front of me in court, like, mm -hmm. good job. You took care of your child. So congratulations. Congratulations. But you still need to send this check. Send this check. So you got a whole box of receipts. You might as well just push that to the side because they don't care about none of that. Show us the moolah. So, you know, my husband, um, kind of the date to file situations is it kind of happened to him too you know just a good you know you know a good man he's gonna stand up he's like listen i know you don't have income over there so until we get some orders from the court i'm gonna send you this month every this much every week i'm gonna pay the mortgage i'm gonna do all mm -hmm. this and then when we get this final hearing then they'll give us an amount what ended up happening to him was he's such a nice dude instead of paying the attorney general and setting it all up he put it directly in the co-parent's account so what happened, the co-parent was able to say, well, he really didn't pay child support. That was really gifts. So he got hit with 70,000 in arrears and didn't get credit for that 70 grand that he had paid that year. They were waiting to finalize that divorce. And yeah, man, 70 grand. You know, I was like, that's why I tell dudes, I said, you got to be smart. You got to. You got to be smart. Like you don't get credit for it. And like you said, congratulations. But documentation is everything. Well, everything. Yeah. So what was a custody arrangement? So, you know, you got, so you're in court. I'm assuming you're like, listen, I'm paying this money. Let's do a custody arrangement. Did you do it like that? Um, so at the time it was just me. So I didn't have like any counsel at the time. And I, I wish I did at the time, but it was basically whatever the judge said, whatever she said, because I didn't want to fight. But what's crazy is um, later on when I was in court with my next son is that the GAL, if anybody know Grady Melitum, they mm -hmm. she let me know like I don't know if you understand this, but you're in a fight, sir, and the gloves are off. You're in a fight, and if you don't want to start fighting, there is going to be a decision made for you. And at that point, light bulb went off because I'm like, oh man, I, I see what's going on here. So yeah. decisions were being made. And I'm thinking like your husband, like, oh, my heart is pure. You know, you know, I'm coming with pure heart. No, mm -hmm. people are coming with the gloves off and they ready to cut for, cut for the juggler and everything you got. So and you have to be prepared with documentation, be able to advocate for self. And mm -hmm. and, 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 and and that's it. So. Let's talk about the emotional toll that one pays, because. I could, I know the male ego, the human ego is such a delicate thing. But when we think of fatherhood being one of the most important roles that a man could have and having something like that attacked and your son is not named after you, you can't see your child and you're being minimized. What is the emotional toll? Does it harm the connection that you ha could have with that potential child, with that particular child? Uh, absolutely. I'm so glad you said you 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 asked the questions that, that people Real, don't I ask. Know. I, yes. yes, you know, yes. I imagine you looking at this kid like, man, your mother is trying to ruin my life. I'm trying to love yes. you, but then you're coming over here saying the things that she's telling you to say. You're yeah, we can't connect. How did what did that do to your relationship? And how does a father that's listening to this, what does he do to salvage that connection? Um, he has to get tunnel vision, but how, how it affected me is that it was, you spend so much time in the time that you have, whether it's every other weekend, every weekend or every, every other week, like you spend your, most of your time, like trying to iron out all of the BS that has happened and the arguments and the feelings that you don't even spend a whole lot of like uninterrupted time with your child. Now I know some people are going to say like, Oh, well, no, I do. No, it's hard, man. It's hard when you're trying to get those visits, you, you know, put together, you're trying to get through the text messages and, and all of the disrespect. And it did damage our relationship to the point where and I just had to tunnel vision and say, look, he, he didn't ask for this, but he is in it. And I think, I think that us as fathers in it and, and as co-parents, we try to shield our kids from situations that they really should see. They, okay. they really should see because this is your, and I tell my wife this all the time, especially with our daughter, like 
This is you're, you're trying to omit parts of their life that this is their life. So when my son came to me and he said, Dad, how do you feel having a child at 13? And I looked him in his face and I said, don't feel no type of way. But I didn't I didn't want you. Mm. I didn't I didn't want you. He looked back at me and I said, wait a minute. You're not a blessing given too soon. It's not a blessing at all. Mm. Mm. I'm saying you standing up here and I'm grateful and I'm thankful to God that you're standing here and that you're my son. But at 13, look at you, son, you you 18 years old. Could you have had a duo right now? And if your answer is no, understand my heart. I'm not saying that you, the person, isn't a blessing. I'm just saying you was given to me too soon to that. I to that. We waste. I wasted almost 10 years of parenting dealing with and trying to iron out and trying to stake my claim as a father. So I had to hone in and realize that she's hurting from what you just said earlier about the time she had to spend more than me. So she did. So in her credit, she didn't get to have a childhood either. She was stuck at home with the baby and I was out doing what I need, what I wanted to do and what I needed to do at the same time. But she missed a lot of her, her life too. She was just as much as 13 as I was. So I can only imagine what ridicule she dealt with. Oh my goodness. I can only a imagine. Little, a little black girl who is a mother, you are automatically told that your life is trash. Yep. Your life is going to be a failure. Mm-hmm. So you may as well just try to be the best mom you can because you're not going to accomplish anything else. Right. Like, that's what they tell these little girls. Yeah. I mean, so just the trauma from her experiencing that, um, Rama is not an excuse, though, right. to do harm to your co-parent. Trauma right. is not an excuse to alienate or uh, demonize your child's father. So when you're looking at your son and you're like, listen, this is my truth. Um, and he was 18 at that point. He probably, You could be like, son, what would you have done with a baby when you were 13 years old? Mm-hmm. Just think about it when you were 13. How did, so now tunnel vision, what does that mean? What does tunnel vision mean for for dad? Does your partner share kids with a loony? Are your stepkids driving you up a wall? Is your partner failing miserably at setting boundaries? Well, VIP Stepmom is where you need to be. We're an exclusive private community just for stepmoms, and we'd love for you to join our tribe. Each month, our members enjoy private conversations, podcasts, expert workshops, a subscription to Stepmom Magazine, and monthly live Zoom meetings. If you're ready to join a diverse community that is committed to making sure you live your best life, visit VIP Stepmom today. We'll save a seat for you. VIP, VIP, Stepmom, that's you and me. Uh, so tunnel tunnel vision mean is removing all of the emotions, getting emotionally mature that I know you looking at a text message before you picked up your child. After you picked up your child, they gave you all of these directives and just saying, I'm here with my son or my daughter and I'm going to enjoy this time. And I'm going to impart and steal tunnel vision is removing because uh, this is crazy. It's I got so much information of yeah just backbiting and demeaning and talking down to me doing the, in the text messages and voicemails. I got so much of that. And it's hard to remove that even when you have your child. So when I say tunnel vision it just think about the end goal of, I need to build this because they go, okay. I say this all the time. Your child is going to have their own story of the way they grew up with you. My mom hates it right now because I say something totally different than what she feels her our life was growing up she'll say she'll stand in front of a podium on mother's day and all of this and i love my mother oh i was this and i was that and i you know i sacrificed and this and that and me and my brother were stood up there wait i was there too wait like wait a minute excuse me (laughs) ma'am some of that some of that you didn't have to do some of those things you had to go through if you would have just called my dad if you would just did this if you did not cuss them out if you didn't and this is there's another window like us as kids. We watching both ends. We watching dad not okay. come that we watching you make decisions for him. So when you say you sacrifice, no, nah, that was self-inflicted, mom. That was self-inflicted, mom. And that's as the as the kids, when I speak to my mom at 37, she can't stand it. She'll turn her nose up. She'll say, well, you don't know. And I said, I get it, mom. I get what you went through. But as, as the child living in the home, I didn't I didn't have like an external seat. I was in the home. I see some decisions you didn't have to make. 
You didn't have to. You didn't have to go through by yourself. Just to have this story that, oh, I was a single black mother and I did it by to myself. Look at my kid. image of this self-sacrificial patron no. saint of. So that means that's a person's, that's a mother's own need to be admired yeah. and almost idealized. That, that feminine ego is something, too. Though. I know I talk a lot about the male ego, but honey, mm-hmm. us women, mm-hmm. an of unchecked female ego can cause wars. Yes. And destroy nations. Yes. And prompt men to cause wars and destroy nations and destroy relationships. Absolutely. So, mom, so would you say, since you had that vantage point, you're like, mm-hmm. dang, you grew up, you're a grown man now, and you're looking at some of the things that your son is communicating to you. So, you know, and you have a reference, you're like, wait a minute, my son is going to see a different perspective also. Yes. What does that start to happen? Because people, Kevin, I'm going to tell you this, Kevin. People always say, <laughs> they always say, you know, just wait, wait until these kids grow up and they'll see. And for those of us that have kids that are younger, that's not helpful because we're like, listen, I'm drowning today right now. But listening to you say this, you're like, no, nah, Naja, I grew up. So is it because you're just a very astute, intuitive person that you notice this? Or is it is this like a general rule that hey, so- your kid's going to grow up and see? So I had I I sat in a duality seat. I grew up in a single parent home where dad wasn't there. Child support we needed. My mother was struggling. Uh, She was a single parent. So I got to see the inside of what a woman, a black woman goes through, not having a man being, you know, in relationships, out of relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other men don't want to take on two boys, two black boys, as Mm -hmm. you know, as they own seeing that dynamic and seeing how we struggle. We ate noodles, ramen noodles and, you know, trying to make a pitcher of Kool-Aid with one package. I seen that like, dad, dad, come on, man, just two hundred dollars, a hundred dollars or something. Help us, man. uh, We need something. Something, man. And I and I get it, man. And I get what happens to the black woman is that disappointment that I put everything into you and now I'm left with just these two boys or these two girls or whatever it is. And I need, I need a sense of pride. And my sense of pride is I'd rather you be away and then hope that these kids grow up and that I'll get all of the glory, but it's really self-inflict and I'll get the credit, but you're, but you're sabotaging yourself. And, and I, I get it. There are some men that just really just choose to not do or if they're not getting a physical or intimate connection, then they out the door. That's right. real brothers. Come on, man. That's and I, I hate I hate that. You know, guys, when a lot of those, those dudes don't listen to this podcast, though. So we don't even yeah. have to spend a lot of time on those yeah. manipulative jokers. So was yeah. dad able to do something? Did you ever get to reconcile with him and say, hey, why? Well, dad he- now, why? Well, he had his own story, his own story where she wouldn't let me. Well, I was in the house and I said, and I had to tell him as an adult, like, like, no, dad, you could have. He didn't want to deal with what a lot of guys don't want to deal with. They don't want to deal drama, cussing. They don't want to deal deal with that. Kevin, real talk, though. If you open your phone and this child that you know you're entitled to, because the kid wouldn't be here if it wasn't for your half of your DNA, and you're opening the phone and someone is telling you what to do with your child, they don't have your name. Uh, I even heard cases of women are saying, don't call him daddy, call him Kevin. You know what I mean? And you don't feel a sense of ownership. You're being belittled and almost buoyed about this kid. I And then court. And then the courts are going to scrutinize every dollar, every penny that you make. You're going to be called a bad father. Then you have to deal with your own emotional stuff. Because let's just be real. Depression and anxiety runs rampant amongst men, just like it does women. What if you just can't handle being cursed out and being treated like that? And some dudes, there's been some cases, and y'all are going to be so mad at me for saying this, audience. There's been some cases where I've seen men have had it so bad. And they had their own individual set of issues. I almost understand why they stepped away from their kids mm-hmm. because, uh, and this is not, you know, I know I'm going to get some, some, some flack for that. Like, no, that's never an excuse. But what if you're depressed? What if you're manic depressive and this woman saying, kill yourself? Why don't you die? These kids hate you. You emotionally cannot handle that. So what did you ever accept dad's reasons, excuses, whatever you want to call them? Did you ever reach a point of acceptance? Um, my, my dad, I I reached the point of acceptance and like that, that was a decision that you as a man made. And I understand because I sat in those seats of not wanting to deal. And there were points and periods at, in my younger years where I didn't, 
I, 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 I did stay away because it was too much to deal with. It, yeah. it really was. Yeah. And, and you got to think I'm, I'm young. So the emotions and the heart was just extremely weak. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I lashed out. I said things I shouldn't have said because I'm, I feel like I'm entitled to a level of fatherhood that you're not allowing me to to have. And she's like, you can have it, but I'm not going to make it easy for you. You're going to suffer just like I'm suffering. Exactly. Like I didn't make you suffer. Like this is the decision we both made. So what what about now? Where where are we today? Son is grown. You have your successful podcast. You and your wife have this Mm -hmm. platform. You're helping other people. Where what does the family dynamic look like today? So to be extremely transparent with with you and to your audience. It doesn't stop. And I thought it did. I thought that the co-parenting, I thought that, and then this was something that I'm going through currently with my oldest son that I had when I was 13. And I told him, I said, man, we get to a place where there is no barriers. There is no gatekeepers. And now you want me to feel what maybe you was feeling as a child in the middle. Cause he told me, you always put me in the middle. Well, I don't you think did, yet. Or yeah, he said, right. And they, because you got to be, you got to think, Niger, that he's been indoctrinated for over, he's 22 now, indoctrinated for over 22 years of how old dad is. In a, because it's easier to blame someone else for Absolutely. what the child doesn't have. Let's just say he at home and he asked mom for something. Let's say he at home and he asked mom to take care of um, a, a school thing, scholastic or whatever, as he was younger. Right. Yeah. And she said, no, see, your daddy's in child's boy. And he's, she's projecting that it's he's my internalizing fault. All of that. So he's, so then there's a lot of blame to undo. Yes. Is there something you could have done like for the dads out there whose children are still coming up and their kids are hearing what your son heard looking back, is there something you could have said to kind of cut those thoughts off? while it was happening i should have i should have been transparent early so this what happened let me let me be honest with you i was paying child support for years and my son never knew it i just thought we was an adult we was adults you know we taking care and then you were gonna be righteous and let them know that you know you know dad paid child no she never told him she never told him so when i would get him to think that you yes he paid nothing nothing so when he wanted something when he wanted the jordans the the gym shoes or he wanted to go to the basketball games after school he wanted the extra lunch son i paid child support though so when i explained it to him i said i paid child support and i actually showed it to him he looked Mm -hmm. at me was like what i said you're this age and i've been paying all of these years so he took that information back to his mom and Absolutely I got, I did. got the, I got the worst call I could have ever got. Why would you do that? Why would you not? I just simply said over the phone, why didn't you, why did you let him believe that I was why a deadbeat father? You wanted your child to grow up and be broken for no yeah. reason, just mm-hmm. so that you could be put on a pedestal. Yes. Yes. So you would have said something earlier. So you wouldn't have had to have that conversation with your son when he was in adulthood. So it would have been less time. He could have grown up thinking something wrong so he wouldn't have had to unlearn because unlearning is hard it's hard it's damn near impossible right you see people in therapy trying to unlearn for years so you would have said let's just say 12 year old son he's 12 at this point daddy i want to go to this basketball trip now kevin you know you're like dang i i'm young myself i pay this child support every friday so she should have the money for Mm this um at 12 years old, do you tell your son, I pay child support? What, what do you? What should you say? I want to give these people some tangible things that they can take away. Well, I, I yes, exactly what you said. Tell your children, sit them down and let them know the entire dynamic of what's going on and ask them questions. How do you feel? How is your stepfather treating you? How do you feel about me? Do you think I'm not getting you enough? Do you think we don't talk enough? Hey, listen, I'm paying your mom child support, not in a braggadocious way, but I'm letting you know every little thing. This is the dynamic guys. They need to know this. I know. And I thought the same way some of you guys thought like, Hey, this is grown folks business. They don't need to know. No, they need to know. You cannot assume that the opposite parent, is letting them know everything that's going on because a lot of co-parents and I'm not just going to say women, men, they make it an income and it's a fixed in the income. And it's not like a separate thing. Like, Hey, your, your dad or, or your child. Mom. Right. Right. Yeah. They, 
and I'm not saying it like because the lights have to be cut on, the, the food got to be bought, the heat got to right. be on. Right. So that's a portion. But letting them know like, hey, your dad do pay for this or your dad do take your care of you. Contributes to it your contributes well-being. to your it's well-being. It's not just me by myself. Exactly. Exactly. Sit them down and tell them. Yes. I, I mean, I, I don't disagree because, you know, even in our, in our own situation, I've seen, well, my does this, my mom better. And it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. Like your daddy, like my husband's sending what at this three, four grand at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, just it gets emotional credit for none of it because these children are made and led to believe that this person isn't caring for them. But what does that do to the child's psyche when you're thinking, man, my dad doesn't even care enough to make sure I ate today? Right. You know, what does that do? Had you ever tried to mm, reach out to the co-parent? Like, would you recommend a father who knows he's the targeted parent? He knows he's kind of being alienated. Is it, is it in some cases, is it okay to just reach out to these, this, your co-parent and be like, listen, we need to talk because I see what you're doing over there. And it's not, it's not helping our kid. Like, at what point do you say that you see that co-parenting is still something that's possible? Co-parenting is, is possible. And I, I think that's a good try. Like that's a good try to say, Hey, let's have a conversation and let's iron out everything about our child or our children and how is how things are going, how money this is. the first question you're supposed to ask. Are you supposed to be like, why are you such a bitch? Or, no, not that, <laughs> but <laughs> like, why are you so damn mad? God, what's the first question you should ask? Because they're going to want to talk about their feelings. They ain't going to want to talk about the kid, Kevin. I know. I know. They want to talk about They want to talk about feelings. You hurt me. You left me. You you so this person is probably acting like this because they are not healed from something they blame you for or the lack of control they feel right but i so, i don't think it's i don't think it's it's either party is responsibility to give you some type of closure in that like uh, that hey um and and i guess what you're saying is taking ownership for the emotional part then we can get to the business of the kids but I don't think it's my responsibility or anybody's responsibility to give you that closure because I don't think you're still gonna have it. Like I don't think you're still gonna have that. You you won't you won't, you won't have no. that. They're not gonna have it. They they're not gonna have it. But I think just the fact of feeling that acknowledgement because I think a yeah. lot of parents alienate their child from the other parent because they want to this child to start to center them. So at least okay, your dad's not acknowledging me. At least my son can know that I'm his shining star. Oh my God. Whenever I watch the NFL um, draft and it's always mm-hmm. with these black boys and it's always the black boys with the mama, ain't no daddy around. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, I love my mama. I give her everything. And dad is sitting back in the audience with his new wife. And I'm thinking that dude probably wanted to be at the Pee Wee football games or maybe mm-hmm. he did, you know, but he's there. But I look mm-hmm. at this dynamic of need, like toxic motherhood and needing to be centered and needing to feel the most important and acknowledged. But Kevin, you're saying I'm not going to give you that because I can't give you that because it's not going to do anything. It's not it's not going to do anything. I mean, I think we should err on the side of talking, to, having more conversations with the kids so that they can do their deductive reasoning. Like, uh, for instance, when my son when I would tell my son things as a as a young boy to do and his mom as a female would counter that just because and he would come and he would be upset. And I said, hey, listen, any time that I'm telling you something that contradicts or go against your mom, always choose your mom. Now, I know someone going to say, well, why would you do that? Because I don't have to go back and forth to two homes. He's mm-hmm. in the middle. So and he lives more primarily with his mother. Yeah. Choose what your mom mom say, because I don't want you to have an issue. I don't want you to have any strife or any, you know, you know, I don't want you to have to go through that as a child because I, I did some of that. I had mm-hmm. that some of that as a kid. My father telling mm-hmm. me this. Oh, your mom. Then I can't believe y'all not doing this yet. I can't believe y'all know. But I live with my mom. So I can't go against her, 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 her need for me wanting to wash the dishes or call her when I get in the mom's house. Or y'all should. Mom, so basically what you're saying, mom is the primary parent. She's the primary, most primary parent. So, so if she I says mean, something, kids, different, it, mom is because what it sounds like what you're telling your son, mom, mom is the authority, but I see a lot of dads handing off the authority to the mother just because they don't want to argue. And they know that their child is not in a position to argue with a contrite woman they're just like my kid doesn't have the tools hell i don't have the tools to go back and forth with her so just relent and do it that that sounds oppressive 
So so here's the here's the thing. And this is why us as men, we sit we need to sit as overseers and not try to be the, the dominant figure. I sit as an overseer. So whatever decision that she's making, I know in my mind that what if it contradicts what I'm saying, I can fix that logic. Okay. Somewhere, somewhere, some way, somewhere I can fix that logic. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I want you to be comfortable at home. I want you to yeah. be comfortable with your mom. I want you to be happy when you're with your mom. I don't want you to feel my hurt or my pain with your mom when you're with your mom. So your I can fix. Probably not. So that means you become the sacrificial lamb because you're bending your own comfort when the other parent is doing things that does not really consider their child's comfort. Because you're like, I want you to be cool with mom, but you know she's going to say some mm-hmm. silly but, stuff. But it becomes like reverse psychology. Now I bec- now I have a better relationship with my son because now he's telling me, hey, mom told me I should do this. And I didn't really think it was right. What do you think, dad? Well, what decision did you make? Well, I, I listened to her, but I didn't like it. OK, well, let me talk you through it. Okay. That's what I'm, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I mean. Like I can fix this because now you thinking that I'm giving you all the authority. No, I said as an overseer, honey, he going to mm-hmm. come back to me and did, he, he not going to like some of the decisions you made, but he know mm-hmm. dad, dad is his mentor, his friend. And, I, and I'm with you, son. Don't worry. Me and you going to always be good. Just gonna whatever we're going to get me and you, we're going to get through this. I see you. I'm with you, son. Don't worry about it. I think mm. us as men, we need to stop with the power struggle. Don't don't struggle with it, bro. Don't. Don't. Ooh, Kevin, Kevin Meeks, Kevin Meeks. I could literally go on all day because I have so many questions. You are in one instance, um, such a young person yourself and you have an adult. Your child is now an adult. So you've kind of gone through the whole gamut of what co-parenting looks mm-hmm. like. One thing you said a few moments ago, you said it really doesn't get easier. It, it, why does it not get easier? Because I'm thinking, okay, 18 years old, boom. <laughs> He's shaking your head. Those of you that are not watching us right now, he, he is shaking his head. No. No. So is it harder or is it just like a different type of Hard. It's a it's a different type of hard because like you just said earlier, it's the the unlearned. So now I'm an adult speaking to another legal adult about his feelings and his emotions about growing up. And I'm trying to dissect and I'm trying to, you know, omit certain things like that was false. That was false. That was false. That was true. But let me tell you why I did that. Well, let mm-hmm. me tell you why this happened. And I had to explain the entire dynamic for me being 13. I had to give him the scope of foundation. Understand that I know that's your mom and you see her this big, but she's no different than me. We're one week apart. We was both 13. Now, in other mm. people's in other people's uh, situation, it might not be that that big, but I laid a foundation of this is this is what it is. So as yeah. an adult, he's kind of unmovable because he's has he's replayed so much negative thoughts about me in his mind because he's indoctrinated. He's hearing the phone conversations with her girlfriends. He's, he's hearing all of the no's when he can't get some and do something. So now I got to unpack as an adult because now he's able to talk and he's able to talk freely, can not just speak freely, now. freely now. So now oh. I'm saying it does, it doesn't end because now I have to do what, most men say, oh, when he get 18, boy, you're going to have a whole boatload. I don't have yeah. as much because I started just a little bit earlier, late, but early in yeah. trying to change his mind and trying to get him to uh-huh. think on his own. Just okay. think, son, does this make any sense? Does it make no, any Dad, sense? It doesn't make sense, but that's what I grew up thinking. It's yeah. just so hard to unlearn. My if goodness. I didn't come, if I didn't come get you and you upset with me for years that, hey, dad, I wanted you to come get me that weekend. Does it make sense? Our relationship, would that been my character? What do you think happened in that, son? Think, think. Because when you're, so it sounds like when you're prompting your child to think, though, you're kind of turning on the underbelly, some lies, outright lies that their other parent told them. So now this child has to have this big moment of reckoning. Like, wait, so if dad's telling the truth, that means my mama straight up lied to me. And then that's a whole nother tr- thing that they got to unpack. Yes. Damn. But you know what? That ain't really, that's not really your, your thing, though, because you not, didn't put it there. I didn't do it. You're like, I'm about to tell you my true son, and we, I'm going to help you get through some of the things that you had to unlearn. So in the last few moments, though, I would I do want to talk, uh, you know, I know you have another child, but we spent a lot of time talking about it. But I, yeah, I, yeah, I want to yeah. talk about um, 
remarriage oh, or yeah. marriage. And like, we literally only have like nine more minutes, but I want to talk about, you made somebody a stepmother and you made someone a stepmother with you having your situations before that were not necessarily all hunky dory, you know? What's the piece of advice that you would give? And it's such a general question. I hate when people ask me general questions. But what's the piece of advice that you would give to a woman who is, you know, she's meeting a guy like you. He's a dad. It's not necessarily like a cohesive thing. You know, she's going to have to deal with some BS coming into your life. Mm -hmm. Um, What advice would you give to this woman when she's brand new, when she's walking into this ready-made family? (laughs) (laughs) Do not do not, and it's a woman innate to ability, do not try to fix this dynamic of the stuff that has happened with this man and his baby mama. I'm going to fix it, Kevin. I'm going to get my broom and I'm going to be like, yeah. hey, girl, let's mm-hmm. talk. I'm mm-hmm. nauseous. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't do, it. do you, it. You end up getting hurt in the process. You end yeah. up getting hurt in the process. Stay on your side. And I'm not saying stay in your place. I'm saying stay on your side when the child comes. It's or hard, it's, though. When I you know. see your man being disrespected, getting stupid text messages and emails, it's, you tell what would you do as a man? Well, I mean, I know what you've done because I, we've had your wife on the podcast. Yeah. But, but it's difficult. How is a woman supposed to stay centered and focus on her relationship when there's literally someone she's watching disrespect her man? Kevin, so you, you want to know, you know, you know how like um, a boxer is in the boxing ring and then he goes to his quarters and then his his coach or he's she's you know, he's rubbing his back and he's giving them water. Yeah. That's you. That's you. Okay. Like, I see what you deal with. I see what you dealt with. I'm going to coach you. That's, that's what I my wife. I want to beat her ass, too. I want to put the gloves on and beat her because, ass, too. Because if you do that, then now it becomes a you and her thing. And now the issues of the child and all of the issues of the, the dynamic get skewed because now you're in it. Mm. Is it possible for a woman to have a good relationship with her stepchild when she has a very bad or broken relationship with that child's mother? I, I think it's possible. I think it's absolutely possible, but it's just going to take some, you know, two mature adults, though. Mm-hmm. You, got, you really got to be really mature. And in my experience, when you got the other party that really still wants to have a relationship with me as the father. Yeah. You know, and, that's going to be they're not going to accept any new person. No, nah, not that new not. person's probably going to be treated like they're an imposter. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And, and a lot of women feel like they, you know, the, the baby mamas feel threatened. Like, oh, I see he didn't date it up or whatever. And I see that she's. And your wife is fine. I'm trying so, to tell you. I shoot. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want her to come behind me. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, nope, nope. She, your wife is beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's the worst part, too. When you 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 marry some, you got the nerve to marry somebody like that. Oh, mm-hmm. Goodness. So then how, how, oh, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go ahead. I don't want to, no, I want to hear all Kevin's got No, say. no. Cause I did that. I, I did the whole switch. Like, oh babe, you can deal with, you can deal with um, my baby mama. And then now it becomes disrespect to her. So now I got to intercede and jump in and say, Hey, you ain't going to disrespect my wife. Yeah. Who is you to disrespect my wife? Well, That's I don't give a, wife. I don't give a F about this. And, you, and she ain't his mom and all this other stuff. So now I'm trying to do other damage control that I should have just stayed in my seat. This is my situation, not yeah. apart from her, but I'm taking her counsel. The reason why I got custody of my youngest son is because my wife, because she was whispering like, hey, this not this doesn't get any better, babe. You need to go to right. court to get custodies. Mm. And she sat as a as a coach, and as a consultant to me and removed the I'm going to be the intermediate between y'all because y'all can't y'all can't get along. Right, right. She's no, like, you- that's too much responsibility for me. She got kids at all. So she became your counsel. Like that person, like, I love that analogy. Yeah. Um, uh, Rocky Balboa's coach. Like, all right, you yes. can get back in the ring. You can do get back this. In get back when in it comes to becoming a custodial parent, going from being non-custodial, a child being in alienated situation to now them being in your home, is it automatic peace or was it automatic peace for you? Or did you see things get even crazier like this because now i feel like the parent can talk crazier to the child don't do what your dad says absolutely absolutely it gets crazier because because even more so when it comes to my wife disciplining 
my son and he takes that oh, back to her house right here this is her house right and and that's and he should like i i can't stand that oh can he can he discipline what do you mean can he discipline can she discipline of course that when he takes that back to his mom now i'm getting fire and brimstone why is she t- putting her hands on my son like what do you mean she's rearing it's like, him it's like listen and he's a young child He's, he's, a, young he's a young person. And I see it like this. Everybody has their own theories on what discipline should look like. But as long as the people raising the child have the set, define it the same, then it's OK. Like, however, you, if, if she defines it in a different way than you, like, let's just say you said, no, we're not. We're going to be permissive parents. We're not going to give the kid a love tap when they're sticking their finger in fire. We're just going to say, Billy, don't do that. Then, yeah, that's going overboard. But if y'all define it the same and the kid is in your house, like, what does she want? to happen how do you how do you rectify that do you tell the how do you damn how do you do that because in well, custody you would think it would be easier like all right cool i won now i'm here no, no no it was a fight i mean you it was a fight and a person feel like at some point they can redeem themselves but no how do i deal with that i don't let my child's mother dictate what happens in my home like mm, you're not going to dictate period. how we move in our home when it's your time to have our son then you can make certain rules and concessions in your house. But in my house, I'm building and I'm teaching and I'm helping, you know, cultivate a young man w- alongside my Period. wife. And that's Period. and that's kind of crazy. Like, what do you think of me? You think I brought someone in that doesn't care about my son or my children and don't want the same thing I want? I married her for a reason. You I don't must think, think it even matters. It's of no consequence what that person, you know, what our, our co-parent who's told us that they don't think sure. it's of no consequence what they think. Kevin Meeks, if y'all don't, if these fellas, especially, if y'all don't take anything else from this, Kevin said, you're letting this person dictate what happens in your home when the child is in your home. That right there, that's the best. If, if y'all didn't hear anything else, any of the literally dozens of jewels this man dropped, if y'all didn't hear anything else, please take that with you run your houses y'all this is kevin meek the co-parenting coach we could literally call kevin we're probably gonna get many requests for you to come back on and talk to us um even you might be our men's advocate we Let's might do bring it. you on as like the men's representative Let's I know do it. all right everybody thank y'all so much for tuning in for this entire hour of i know i'm crazy with naja hall i will see you tuesday after next thank you so much i know i'm crazy with naja hall everywhere your favorite podcasts are streamed Oh.